Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Stagecraft is brought to you by the Geffen Playhouse. At once humorous and heartrending, Ironbound spans 22 years to tell the story of Daria, a Polish immigrant getting by on a cleaning job, aggressive pragmatism, and sheer will. A New York Times critic's pick, Ironbound features Tony Award-nominated actress Marin Ireland, reprising her off-Broadway role, alongside Josiah Banya, Christian Camargo, and Marcel Spears. Begins January 30th. Tickets at geffenplayhouse.org. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you in-depth interviews with the creators and stars behind the hottest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Keegan-Michael Key, the actor-writer who co-headlined the buzzy Comedy Central sketch comedy series Key and Peele, and who over the last year has appeared on the New York stage in two very high-profile projects. First, he played Horatio, opposite Oscar Isaac in Hamlet at the Public Theater, and he's currently wrapping up the limited run of the smash Broadway comedy Meteor Shower, starring Amy Schumer. He's in the studio to talk with me about working on Broadway, how sketch comedy helps his traditional stage work, and his upcoming gigs playing Alien Bait and a Hyena. Hi, Keegan. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Over the last year, you've done two pretty big plays back to back. How'd that happen? It, um, I was um, uh, lobbying hard to do some theater, and why? My, uh, because it's it's my it's it's my home. It yeah. really is my home. I I had no intention of ever doing television or or even cinema. It was a dream that I might do it, but I was I knew that I'd be perfectly satisfied. I'd be poor and fulfilled. Right, because you studied theater, right? Both yes, in, I have a in college degree, and you have a BFA. A yeah, BFA and an MFA, right. yeah. And that was from... Um, I got my BFA from University of Detroit Mercy and my MFA from Penn State. Okay. And I got out of school and I just, I auditioned for a, for a, uh, the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. Right. I was going to do some Marivaux there. Oh. And I was going to do Game of Love and Chance by Mar- yeah. Mar- Marivaux. And, I was All really, right. and then I think maybe I was going to be in A Winter's Tale or, or Love's Labor's Lost. I can't remember which one. And I was very excited about it, and I got cast. And then a friend of mine, was she was going to graduate school here in New York at Columbia. And she, as her thesis, wanted me to do her independent film. She didn't want to do a short. She wanted to do a feature. So I, 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 there was a fork in the road, and I chose to make the feature. It was a drama. And much to my chagrin, everybody in the cast of the film kept on telling me how funny I was. Much, as I said, much to my chagrin. So I'm a, I'm a classically not... trained actor. Yeah. <laughs> how dare you? 
But I had always had an interest in comedy, you know, okay. since I since I was probably fourteen and saw Eddie Murphy and were like, "What's happening there? What's that?" Um, amongst other comedic endeavors, sure. And so I, I yeah, so I that's why I wanted to do theater. I I, I just figured I would do this Shakespeare festival and then I would try to do the circuit. I'd do Utah and Colorado, yep. and one day maybe I'd even get to perform at Ashland at the right. Oregon yeah, Shakespeare right. Festival. So that was my real. That was it's always been my love. Shakespeare classics, every from O'Neill to Ibsen to, to to Ionesco to Shakespeare. That's right. always been my love, and then all of a sudden my life took this this little nineteen year detour into sketch right. comedy. And so when when was the last time you were on stage? For- uh, the last time I was on stage, I did a musical comedy in, at the Chicago Shakespeare Theater in, in the summer of two thousand and four. After my first season at mad tv okay loved it chicago shakespeare theater in their studio space which is a fantastic place to perform yeah so that was the last thing i did really properly did on stage yeah and so then what to your mind are the differences and similarities in working in your work in sketch comedy and your work in traditional theater how how does one feed the other and how is one different i think that the um the way that they're similar of course is that you're, you're you're learning text you are learning text and you're trying to interpret the, the, the work of the writer to the best of your ability. Um, you're also, frankly, trying to get something out of it yourself emotionally. But at the end of the day, the most important thing for you to do is to tell the story. The, the difference, the obvious difference is the length. Right. And, 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 and what lies therein is that you're ex- everything's happening at an accelerated rate in sketch. So the who and the what and the where usually come out as fast as possible. And that's where we always find the delicious challenge of how do you do that without being clunky? How do mm-hmm. you show environment and the relationship between two people and why they're there and what they're trying to achieve in, in not in six minutes. Let's say a sketch is six minutes. You're, you have to do that in about 90 seconds to two minutes. And that's part of that craft. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, 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 a playwright has just a little bit more time, a little more luxury to set that up. So sometimes, as an example, I'm doing Meteor Shower right now. The, there's 14 scenes in the play. It, the first scene is about eight minutes long. So that's four minutes longer than any self-respecting sketch should be. Right. <laughs> right. And you get to set up other characters through the exposition of these two characters. Right. So that was, that's the screamingly biggest difference. Right. Yeah. Right. And do you what do you feel like people who have experience doing sort of sketch comedy bring to traditional theater now that you're now that you're doing it after doing having so many years in sketch comedy I, I think what 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 you bring is a, a, a kind of welcome devil may care attitude and a freedom and an irreverence um, and I think that it, it allows you to be or at least crave you start to crave moments that you can sculpt that will be what we call in the sketch world green lights so you're saying the lines you're you're honoring all the punctuation that the that the, the the playwrights painstakingly picked but you're going to do it in as free and as and spontaneous a way as you can because you've taken that you've had that fix of sketch for years or or improv which is which is which is actually creating everything in a moment. Right. So I want to create everything in a moment in, in this setting. So I think you bring this, this almost, all right, I'm going to say your words, but I've got to be able to make a different face. I've got to try to organically get a reaction out of the other performer, right. which is much easier to do in improv because we don't know what's coming out of my mouth next. Right. The other thing that's helpful about it, 
that dovetails is that I know as a, as a person who's performed who performed nothing but improvisation and sketch for six straight years, I know the sensation I have when a person is actually affecting me. And then sometimes I feel like walking over to the other performer, go, whatever you did there, try to do some variation of that every night, but don't do that every night. Right. Do some right. variation of that every night. Right. Were you aware of that affecting your uh, rapport either in rehearsal and in performance with the, you know, Amy, who obviously has a similar, a similar kind of experience, uh -huh. Uh -huh. right? Um, uh -huh. And this like, you know, I imagine comfort level with improvisation and spontaneity. Like did that, did you notice that in the rehearsal room in terms of how you two worked together and with others? It, it worked. It, it, I didn't notice it as much. It was subtler in the rehearsal room than it was in actual performance. Once we started previews and we started to get our show legs, which would be the middle of the second week of previews, we had a nice, long, delicious preview process, three weeks of previews, which I think every comedy should have. And I'd say halfway through the second week of previews or the beginning of the third week is when Amy's, Amy's um, stand-up experience started kicking in. So she's hearing the laugh, and she, you see her start crafting lines differently to you and crafting lines for the audience, uh, trying to get the zigs and the zags as sharp as possible so we can get the most, uh, they can get the most out of the reaction, and we can get the most out of the reaction. Right. So I noticed it more in performance than I did in the rehearsal process. But and it's, it's definitely happening in that irreverence that comes from the sketch and stand-up performers is definitely in this performance. I don't think there are a lot of performances on Broadway right now that are this fluid. Well, for all of you, is that? For all of us. Okay. There are, and everybody approaches it in a different way. Um, Laura is deliciously and gloriously reactive to whatever Amy gives her. I try to be reactive to whatever Amy gives me. Jeremy has been very This is Jeremy Seamus, Jeremy by the Seamus, way. We didn't by the way. Yes. Yep. I'm sorry, Jeremy Seamus has been very surgical. There are lines that, that have been improvised in front of a live audience that Steve Martin has now put into the script. Oh, wow. Because we are trying, I will say this, full disclosure, we are trying to trip each other up, and I welcome it because it keeps it fresh. Right. Because the characters in the play, at any given time, depending on what point you are in the play, are trying to trip each other up. So why not have the actors try to trip each other up in subtle ways that always keeps us on our toes? It's the best kind of frightening. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so Jeremy is very surgical. He'll, he, it, it's like it would take him three weeks, and then one day he'd go, I think I'm going to say this tonight after I say that. Does he warn you? Yeah, he okay. warns me. Well, there's there's moments, there's not many moments we're all off the stage. But yeah, there's one moment true. where he and I are off the stage for a, a good collected amount of time, which is usually three minutes. Right. <laughs> in, in Hamlet, we'd have 15 to 20 yeah. minute breaks. Yeah. Um, and he would say, I think I'm going to say this tonight. I'm going to say X after I say Y. Then other nights he would say, you know what? I'm not going to say X or Y. I'm just going to say Z. Oh, tonight I'm going to put the cup here and do this thing. Uh, but I'm not going to tell Laura. And then Laura would come off stage and then I'd tell Laura. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be tricking them. And then when right. you didn't get the reaction. So the audience is watching humans really trying to trip each other up and going, oh, you didn't get me. Wait a minute. Why didn't I get her? Right. So they're seeing genuine confusion and genuine delight and genuine um, expression uh, on stage. That's what they that's what they actually paid for. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and of course, crowds have been huge. Uh, it's a sold out yeah, smash. We, we broke a record for pre-sales yeah. at the Booth Theater. It was How cool. how's that been with the audience both in the show and uh, at the stage door? How's that? It, it, the stage I, 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 it's one of the great pleasures of my life. I go to the stage door and sign every night and and it's lovely because you see this look in people's eyes where they just go, "Yeah, you're that guy." They're, I'm touching you. That's the guy who's 
from the substitute teacher sketch. Right. You, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But they, but what they just saw, I think, is even more special. Or I should say, I'm sorry, it's special in a different way. And everyone's been so lovely and gracious. And and I and I'm and I'm so I'm so grateful for it. So grateful for that for 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 that expression. In the theater, the the, the most glorious thing about theater, right, is that it's different every night. Some nights, uh, J- uh, Jeremy and I have a, a small respite. We finish a scene and then he and I go and we go around the back of the stage and we sit in these two chaise lounges in the chaise lounge and we just kind of start to analyze how the show's going so far before we come back on stage. And uh, which you can do after two months. You don't do that after a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and um, like last night he was going, good, they're good tonight. I was like, yeah, they're explosive tonight. And then uh, the next night, ooh, they're really rolling. They're, they're very, they're very rolly, uh, quote, R-O-L-L-Y audience. So they're rolling. The laughter's Rolling back like a wave. Oh, tonight. Oh, what's going on? Oh, the front part of the house seems to be really boisterous and the back part of the house seems to be contemplative. It's lovely because it's different every night. Right. Yeah. And obviously you're working with Steve Martin as well. What's he been like? Steve is a very, lives a very considered life. Mm. Um, Steve is very um, interesting. He's very self-reflective. So if you uh, – but and he also is never at rest – and I think like a good artist should be, he's never satisfied. Mm. That's why he's still, we have three weeks left of this show. And he's just the other day, he emailed me and said, I put those two lines that you, impl- that you ad-libbed into the script. Now, who knows? Gordon, he may cut those lines and put other lines back or do a combination thereof right. in the next week. He never stops. And, 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 and so it's, 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 it's lovely. He has a very quiet, as I said, quiet, considered drive. Yeah. Yeah. Did- Reading the play for the first time, was there anything, did it surprise you uh, as something that was the work of Steve Martin? Did you know his playwriting before or did you? I'm not super familiar with Picasso, yeah. Le Panagil. Mm-hmm. I'm not super familiar with it. This play, um, you could see little moments, little linchpin moments here and there. We go, ah, only Steve Martin could have written that. Only Steve Martin could have written that. Um, and I think it, 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 it smacked of Steve Martin, the whole piece. I felt like the way he's such an intellectual that the way he framed the relationships and the and the theme of the play seemed very Martinesque. And so, for the people who haven't had a chance to see it yet, it's about these two couples who get together to watch a meteor shower in the backyard, and it starts out very re- like a realistic comedy, yeah. and then it takes a very absurd. several very surreal, absurd turns. turns. Yeah. Did did you have the talk with Steve where he says, you guys, this is what's happening in this play? Like, is there an interpretation of this play that he bestowed upon you? He didn't. He want, There are two previous productions of this play. Right. And I think he really wanted this to have its own stamp. In a, From what I can glean from conversations I've had with him and Jerry Zaks, this is a... The director, Jerry The director, Zaks, Jerry yeah. Zaks. This play this version is a little wackier a little zanier than previous versions um i i i i i don't i don't i know now what from where i speak yeah. it's just that i just got i just gleaned this from these conversations um so it's uh it, it has a crowd pleasing quality to it but it also there was lots of discussion about how how obviously do we map out the theme or sh- or display the theme and I think we found the right balance for it. But, yes. I was just going to ask you what your take on what the play is about. Well, is. first of all, after about a week into rehearsal, Laura and I looked at each other one day and we said, okay, so we're not humans. 
Right. I know I'm, I'm probably, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Or um, there is something definitively archetypal that we're doing mm-hmm. that maybe Jeremy and Amy aren't necessarily doing or, or isn't required of them. Yet, uh, let's let's play it with real stakes, like real humans with real honesty in the midst of this absurdist framework. And um, so, so to answer your question, I think the theme is what ha- what does a couple do, or how do they marshal their own forces? How do they batten down their emotional hatches when they come against some kind of trouble in their marriage, when they see the tide coming, or they're caught in the tide of something? whether it be too much ego or a lack of confidence or whatever it happens to be, how do they navigate that difficulty in their relationship? That's, I believe, the theme of the piece. Um, um, If you're looking at it from a purely intellectual point of view. We'll return in a moment with more from Keegan-Michael Key right after this. Stagecraft is brought to you by the Geffen Playhouse. At once humorous and heartrending, Ironbound spans 22 years to tell the story of Daria, a Polish immigrant getting by on a cleaning job, aggressive pragmatism, and sheer will. A New York Times critic's pick, Ironbound, features Tony Award-nominated actress Marin Ireland, reprising her off-Broadway role, alongside Josiah Banya, Christian Camargo, and Marcel Spears. Begins January 30th. Tickets at geffenplayhouse.org. And we're back, talking to Keegan-Michael Key on Stagecraft. And so Hamlet was... Also a giant hit with uh, packed houses, but the house was a much smaller one. Mm-hmm. I think it's less than 300 people at that yes, theater yes, at the public, yes. right? Um, do you have a preference in terms of what kind of crowd you're playing in front of? What size, rather? At, at this very moment, I would say I prefer the larger crowd, and I prefer, at this moment, performing on that proscenium stage. Hmm. I kind of like really throwing myself into my fellow performers. I cannot see the audience that well, so great. Oh, I hear them. Yeah, I'm. We should say that in Hamlet, that you is a thrust stage, and you thrust can, stage. Everyone can see everyone. Everybody yeah. can see. Yeah, you can yeah. see. You can see. You can see faces in the back, in the back row. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, it was a very immersive experience. Um, but there were days. I'll admit, there were days where I would get caught in someone's face for a minute, and then go, okay, get back, get, get back to character. You know. Whereas here, I really feel that small gulf between the front of the apron and the first row Mm -hmm. allows me to really be with Amy and Jeremy and Laura. And I can't see anybody in the mezzanine. I can't, I can't see anybody. And I I can barely see anybody in the orchestra. So I, I'm more, I'm, I'm, I'm really wrapped up in what my fellow performers are doing. And I prefer that right now. There were times where you felt like those people at the, at the, uh, at the Ansbacher were part of the court. And I and, right. and I'm sure Sam Gold, who directed the piece, yep. wanted to have some sense of that. Right. You saw that. You saw that show. Yeah. So you saw how the the red carpet that comes down off the risers just looks exactly like the red carpet on the yep. stage. Yep. Clearly, clearly intentional. Yep. And um, so it it felt a little off putting and obtrusive. But I used that. I used right. that. It was a very off putting, obtrusive experience for Horatio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy being back using your classical training to the fullest of its? When when was the last time you had done a project that you considered using to be using your classical oh, training? Oh gosh, I think uh, I did a play in Detroit, my hometown, at the mm-hmm. Attic Theater. It might have been the last show ever at the Attic Theater in oh, Detroit. Um, uh, did we call it Shakespeare's Greatest Hits? I can't remember what it was mm-hmm. called, but it was. Um, and I did some wonderful piece 
that was written by some guys from beyond the fringe. It was written by like Cook and Moore and all those guys that were in the in England in that tradition, the Goon Show and Beyond the Fringe. Right. And they wrote this piece that smashed all of Shakespeare's histories together. And there there were a few lines that I was doing in trochaic octameter, <laughs> <laughs> like a, iambic hexameter yep. and trochaic or dactylic octameter it was obnoxious yeah. obnoxious you're like 700 <laughs> feet you know? and i really and that was like two th- that was like um maybe 98 97 or 98 so it was right after i got out of school okay. and it was glorious i've been looking for that piece ever since and i've right. not been able to been, been able to find it but other than that school right and yeah. so hamlet was a good experience for it was, you it, and... it was a dream come true it remind me i'm having trouble remembering at, for again for people who didn't get a chance to see the show it was uh it was a very sort of I don't know, hotel conference room bland. Yeah, like, it looked, sort of that's a good, yes, it, uh, it looked very um, like a cross between a, um, a, 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 a rundown Catholic church social hall. Ooh, that's solid. Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, uh, with carpet. Right. A rundown right. Catholic yeah. church social hall with carpet. Yes. But there was quite a bit of potting soil and mm-hmm. quite a bit of water mm-hmm. and ultimately quite a lot of mud. And I'm having trouble remembering how muddy you got. I know some of your co-stars got like drenched. Oh, in drenched mud, in but, mud. Yeah. I was, I, I was, um, I was left almost unscathed, mm. like one side of my shirt and my knee. Right. right. Um, yes, as opposed to uh, Anatole Youssef and Oscar Isaac, who were look like mud monsters. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I, I was I was left relatively unscathed by the mud. And so, what for you was? How did that? How did that approach to that non traditional approach to staging the piece affect? Do you think what Hamlet was about for you and what it was about for your performance? I think it I think it it, it made Hamlet very raw and personal for me. I was encouraged throughout the rehearsal process and I was invi- I was encouraged mm. and invited to not use my Shakespeare voice. Sam Gold must he's like, Keegan, you're kind of softening those R's and, and, and I, I, I hear the the verse a little bit. And then one day, eventually, he just kind of put his foot down and said, I don't want to hear verse. I want you guys rendering it as colloquially as you can. I want you to stop where you feel the sentence stops. And I want to sound, I want you to sound like Keegan from the Midwest, from Michigan, who's saying these words and they make sense to him. Do that for me, please. Hmm. And, and I went, oh, no. I was hiding behind Shakespeare voice. It's like the opposite of your training, right? Yes, yes. That's, that's, yeah. Well, but also from a personal point of view, I'm, but I'm hiding behind the verse. I, I'm hiding behind the verse. I, sure. I don't want to give you all of me. And Sam's like, hi, I want all of you. Mm-hmm. And um, there were – so it became intensely personal. Oscar and I became very close mm. and are very close. And it was, it was, gl- I keep using this word glorious, but that's been la- the experience of the last like six, seven months of my life. Right. It's been glorious because I-, I couldn't achieve what the director wanted if I didn't get naked, if I didn't get emotionally naked. And, um, and, and I appreciated him using every trick in his book to pull that out of me. And I said, oh, so, oh, okay, so we're going here for my first trip back to Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, I, I would, I have conversations with people and they go, They'd go, so wait a minute, you're telling me that four arms, straight. All right. It's a, a friend of mine who was English, mm. and he had just done a Hamlet uh, in less than a decade ago. And, he's, and I, he said, do you have any cuts? And I said, I said, oh, we cut everything with Fortinbras. And he looks at me and goes, you cut Fortinbras, but it's four hours long. <laughs> and he's trying to, and he's like, how can it be four hours long? And he goes, we did it with Fortinbras. 
and it was 310. <laughs> How did you? And I said, because my director has no shame about you taking pauses. Take a pause and feel it. Right. Earn it. Earn the pause, but then pause. I don't. He goes, I don't care. We have to have the luxury of, of keeping it buoyant and real and accessible. That was the most important thing to Sam. Yeah, and, and, and so for me, it felt buoyant and real and immediate and accessible for me as well as for the 244 people that were sitting there every night. Right. And But also on top of these two shows that you've done, you've got a lot of, you do a lot of screen work as well. Like you've got this uh, Netflix series that mm-hmm. uh, is going back to, for its second season, second season Friends, yeah. and Friends from College. And then you've got a couple of big movies coming out. You, uh, in the next year or two, you've got Predator, right? Right, Predator, and, yeah. Which is not... A reboot nor a sequel, correct? It's not a reboot nor a sequel. Shane Black, who directed it, said that the, the biggest uh, the biggest way he describes it is it is a it is a film that lives in the world. Okay. It should be able to be a standalone film that lives in the universe, in the alien universe, uh, alien the predator, predator universe. Yeah, because they did smush those oh, two did, universes they? together. Yeah. yeah, they kind yeah. of they they conflated. They're not conflated them, but they they did they they merged them. And is it funny? Is it a funny scary movie? If, or if, a... if, if, yes, it's, it it has a lot of it has a lot of kind of incidental humor in it. Um, it's very, this is, this is a poor way of describing it, but it's very Shane Black. So if anybody, the humor that existed in Lethal Weapon, Mm -hmm. the humor that existed in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the humor that existed in- He wrote Lethal Weapon and wrote and directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Correct. Yes. And he also wrote, uh, wrote and produced and directed, uh, Nice Guys last year with, uh, with the Russell Crowe, which I really enjoyed, a film I really enjoyed. He always tries to create situations in which you'll find humor right. as, and, and occasionally write a nice boffo line. Right. This movie has um, more of the former and less of the latter. Got it. Um, and, lots of, and something I also enjoy, lots of practical effects. Mm. The least amount of CGI possible is what he's trying to do. Right, yeah. yeah. And then, but speaking of CGI, you've also, you're also working on The Lion King. Yes. The live-action Lion King. Yeah. You play one of the hyenas. I'm one of the yes. hyenas. Eric Andre and I are one of the hyenas, yes. Do you have a song? We have no song. Okay. We we actually have no song. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I was I was uh, Have you done well, it yet? Have you have you I shot... actually have done most okay. of it and I think what And that's all done in a giant soundstage, right? Yes. In LA. Is in Los right? Angeles. Yeah. There's a, just this just a warehouse in like Marina del Rey. Right. And you right. drive up and you walk in and and you sit there and, and and now they have new technology with the cameras. They don't have to put dots on you. Oh really? You, yes, they just had fifteen cameras and and Eric and I had the opportunity to be together to perform off of each other. I was actually gonna ask about that, whether you whether there was anyone else, any other performers in the room with you when you were doing, I did, doing I did, this motion I did, capture. I did, one, I did one audio session by myself yeah. and then a motion capture session with Eric. And really what that room consisted of was us walking around a, bl- a, a, a black uh, floor that had parameters, 15, I believe 15 cameras, and then John Favreau, who's directing the film, yeah. sitting in the corner. Who also directed The Jungle Book. Who also directed uh, The Jungle Book, right, yeah. And this is going to look very much like The Jungle Book. Right sitting in the corner with his eyes closed, listening to rhythm. So he's seeing hmm. the hyenas, which may or may not have facial features and facial lineaments that match me and Eric's. Right. But you see him seeing it virtually and then stopping and backing up and going, do this again. And then we'd start talking. And I think he, he thought he said he was very helpful. Very was, helpful. Was that fun? Is it? It is was it a blast. Thing? It was yeah. an absolute blast. I really enjoy Eric a lot, yeah. and and we have very different voices, and there's a different dynamic yeah. there. I, it, it it gelled really well. It felt good. It worked really well, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I, I've I've seen even little test spec stuff, and it's it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and 
how often do you get mistakenly congratulated on Get Out? Does that happen a lot? It's been decreasing. Good. <laughs> it's been well decreasing. Uh, it's been decreasing. Uh, it's now happening. It's, it's happening almost nil now. Mm. Right once once the movie was... It, it didn't happen at the beginning or the end. No, it didn't happen at the beginning because I was in another country shooting a movie. Right, but, right, but, right. In the, but in the middle... Mm, five times a day oh. five, five, <laughs> a day. five a times day. a day for right. about a two-week span five right. times a day right i love your movie <laughs> you know what i mean my, 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 my yeah. fiance sometimes yeah. like it's okay it's okay just wait just take it just, just, just take, take it, it. Just actually, wait. i think right. that's right yeah, yeah. they'll understand but you and jordan are working on or developing something new with judd apatow is that right not Some, with judd apatow right that. now oh, okay. the thing that's the thing that we're work, we're working on is with henry selick of james and the giant peach fandom and Coraline. He and Jordan are writing something together. It's a dream of Jordan. Jordan loves stop motion, lo- oh. uh, loves loves the macabre. Yeah, uh, he's doing a project right now. He's he's um, doing the new uh, Twilight Zone. They're doing a reboot oh, right. of Twilight That's Zone. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and he's really in his element now. And um, so I'm going to provide a voice for this um, this cool. project with Henry Selick. I believe we're allowed to talk about. It. It's called it's called Wendell and Wild, mm. and um, it's based on a graphic novel that Jordan is a big fan of. So they're putting the story together, and I will come on as a producer later and 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 do some you know some mixing and matching and some suggesting yeah, yeah here and there yeah. later. So we're that, that's our next project together. And then right. I've sat with him and talked with him a few times, and they go, "What do you think? What I mean, what do you want to?" I mean, everybody I talk to in our business is like, "So you know what you should do? Like in two years, you guys, you guys get back together, do a Netflix schedule a, a special." And I'm like, "Look, get the, the, he's, he's newlywed. Yeah, <laughs> he, has, he has a baby." Yeah, he, he's let, let's this let everybody let Jordan, he's, you know, yeah. just made the most one of the most successful horror movies in decades. Yeah. Let the guy t- take a breath, right. you know, and then we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. And then so for you looking at your own career, how much how much do you balance kind of the work that you want to write and then create in term with, you know, just being an actor in a in a getting a gig as an actor and performing someone else's words? How what what do you think about? That? It's like 80, 20 ladder to the former i i just as soon ladder to the uh, oh, uh, yeah. ladder to uh yeah so uh, i'm sorry uh, ladder to the former yeah. i just as soon get a call i really enjoy being a hired gun yeah. and being an interpretive artist yeah and 20 percent of me wants to be a generative artist okay and and um like i'm, I'm working on a project right now that i'm at it, it, liberty to say it's in such embryonic stages mm. but i'm working with somebody on a project because the things that the things that i'm interested in doing are i want to be i want to be jason Bourne. Or some version of Jason yeah. Bourne. I want to do espionage movies. I want to be in The Man from Uncle 2. I want to be, I want to be, uh, throw my hat in the ring to be the next Bond. Right. That, that's what I want to do. Right. And um, um, things, things of that ilk. And so I'm, 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 I'm kind of moving headlong into that. I'm moving 100% into that 20%. Got it. Yep. <laughs> if you will. If yep. you will. Right. So that's, because and, and, I do enjoy cinema quite a lot. Um, I wouldn't mind making like a spy movie that was directed by a Polish person shot in Budapest or, or Kiev. You know, that's okay. something I would really enjoy doing that had a, a real European, a raw European cinema verite sensibility to it. That's something that would really float my boat. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of, that's, but, but, but if someone, now someone were just to offer me a role in a movie like that, that'd be heaven. Right. Yeah. Right. If I have to make it on my own, I'm happy to do You're that gonna, as well. Yeah. yeah right. Gonna, right. And then, how do you think about theater as you look ahead? I think I think here's a plan. It's a very like sketchy plan I have in my mind. What I'd love to do is I'd love to, you know, bank away enough money a year that I could do a play every other year 
or every two years or every two years due to play. If I could right. do what I just did, gosh, Gordon, would I be happy? Yeah. Or if I could do something like a musical or do a nice, lovely, thick, straight play that has some weird, fun elements in it for six months, right. I'd really like to do that because both of these have been these kind of limited runs. But I wouldn't mind doing back-to-back -back plays again. Um, and I wouldn't mind doing a classic. I, I walk out of the theater some days and I'm driving, I'm going down the road as I leave the theater and I look up and two doors down, I think at the Golden, it's not the show in I think at the Golden, is where Denzel Washington is going to do yeah, Iceman Cometh. And then right next door, Three Tall Women. So you, you have O'Neill and Albie next to each other. Something in that world would be lovely. Right, right. But I got to make the money so I can still live where I want to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing what you do on stage next. Well, me, me, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Thanks for being here. It's great so talking much, to you. Gordon. This is a real yeah. pleasure. That was Keegan-Michael Key, who's currently finishing up his run in Steve Martin's play, Meteor Shower, playing at the Booth Theater through January 21st. On the next episode of StageCraft, I'll be talking to John Lithgow about the one-man show he's currently performing on Broadway, Stories by Heart. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.